Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the QB Factory Reboot brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. We're recording on another victorious Tuesday, Tuesday, December 28th, to be exact. Happy holidays. Hopefully all of you guys got to enjoy this past holiday weekend. The Philadelphia Eagles now sit at eight and seven after they completely demolished the New York Giants at home 34 to 10. And after a very slow and somewhat sloppy first half, at this point, we might as well just forget about the first half. Does it really matter? Did it really happen? I mean, it happened, so we have to talk about it. But after a first half that just was bad, they finally found their rhythm in the second half. And it was just from, you know, a missed field goal to penalties to drop after drop after drop. They got the ball rolling. Shout out to Jalen Hurts for leading the Eagles to this victory. I think this game was a perfect depiction of a tale of two halves. And we're going to talk about all of this. We're going to recap this game. We're going to touch on what we saw from Jalen Hurts. We saw Mike Glennon who came in in the second half. Yeah. We also saw Jake Fromm. So we're going to touch on what we saw from both of them. Not really much to say, but, and also we have some playoffs to talk about moving forward. Don't forget to rate, leave a written review, subscribe to our YouTube channel. It means so much to us and follow us on social media at BGN underscore radio on Twitter and at bleed green Insta on Instagram. But I am your host, Rachel Prevet, and I'm joined by the one and only QB expert, my favorite, the best co-host in the world, Mark Schofield. What's up, Mark? How are you doing? I'm doing well, Rachel. It's, it's great to be with you. I uh, hope you're having a wonderful holiday. I made the most of it with the family, which which was super fun. I also got a wonderful – I was going to wear it today. You know how I've been wearing those, like, fictional jerseys? Mm-hmm. Well, my parents got me one. We, we exchanged gifts on Christmas Eve, and I opened it up, and I'm trying to figure it out because it's a Dolphins jersey. And I'm like, oh. is, is this a Tua jersey? Like, this is weird, but it's a n- number five. And then I turn it around and I see the Finkel on the back. Nice. And it's Ray Finkel from okay. Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. And Ray Finkel in that movie was a kicker. And so my parents got me a fictional kicker jersey, which I think is absolutely hilarious. And if you haven't seen Ace Ventura, it's extremely <laughs> funny. Early Jim Carrey. Like, it's a really good movie, so you should check that out. Um, but very excited to be here. We got a lot to get to. I've got a movie quote to sort of jump us off. It's from a sports movie, Major League, a fantastic baseball movie of all movies. And if you haven't seen it, it's a movie about the Cleveland Indians. And the owner is trying to assemble a team of really bad baseball players so they can tank the season and she can move the franchise out of Cleveland. The team finds out, and one of the players, the old catcher, Jake Taylor says, well, there's only one thing left to do when the whole bleeping thing. And so that's where we begin because the Philadelphia Eagles with this win, they still got a shot. So there we go. And I can't wait to get into that later this episode, you know, when we start talking about playoffs, because nobody thought we would be here. But right. we're going we're to get on that. We're going to get there. But I chose movie lyrics from yeah. Mary Poppins. Oh. <laughs> it says, in every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. And when I say this was probably one of the most fun games that I watched, Eagles games, that I watched this season. And 
you could tell that the players were having fun. The first half, of course, disregard the first half, but in the second half from, you know, we got to see Lane Johnson score a touchdown, yep. which was like a really big deal. Uh, Alex Singleton had the, he, he didn't deflect the ball, but he had the pick six yeah. and he ran it back for a touchdown. So it was just a lot that happened. You could just tell the team was having fun. Yeah. So that is why I chose that quote. No, that's perfect. And yeah, I mean, it was again, like last week, right? It was a little tense at the beginning. It's that they're losing three, nothing. You had a really shaky start, right? Mm-hmm. Like you had the near interception that honestly, what you would have got thrown? You thought it was a pick and it was a, not a great play by Jalen Hurts. We could talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the near fumble that luckily they recovered. They couldn't get things going offensively. Yeah, but then, like you said, they sort of a tale of two halves. They sort of clicked in the second half. Hurts yeah. made some big throws. He made some big throws in the in, in the second quarter too. That's so hard. they were able to put it together, which is good. They got the win, which is huge. Now you mm-hmm. got two divisional games. You're in the playoffs if they were to happen right now, and you've mm-hmm. got an opportunity to lock down your playoff odds. I think their odds right now is sixty one percent. According to the New York Times playoff simulator, if they win okay. this weekend, they jump to 85. Okay. So it's basically like a f- massively huge game for them. Because mm-hmm. if they get this win, you're almost assured a playoff berth. And then obviously, if you beat Dallas, you're at 99%. And you can start looking around the league. What does Dallas have to play for in week 18? So yep. who knows how that game goes? But it gives us something to talk about, something uh, a little bit more enjoyable to talk about than, oh, dear God, the sky is falling. Like you mentioned, this is a huge deal because if we, reflect on this season and how far the birds have come with a you know first time head coach and offensive coordinator defensive coordinator it's a a rookie team for the most part and everybody ruled them out from the jump they started off pretty slow in the season they were two and five at, at one point and then a complete 360 they're like on the brinks like as of right now everybody keeps saying if the season was to end today the eagles would be in the playoffs. So that's a huge accomplishment for Nick Sirianni. I think yep. he deserves credit because he is a first time head coach. So the fact that he was able to make these adjustments mid season and get his team on track, regardless of what people want to say about the division and these last four games and how they're easy wins, whatever, I don't care. The team still deserves uh deserves credit and a round of applause because right. they completely shifted yeah. midway through the season. So. Absolutely. And you can only play who's on your schedule. I mean, yeah. it's not like the Eagles are saying, no, we're going to pick and choose who we want to play each week. Right? Mm-hmm. You can only play what's in front of you. And so, you know, schedules, division, whatever, it is what it is. These yeah. are the players, these are the teams that they're playing. I think Sirianni, like you said, deserves a tremendous amount of credit for the sort of midseason adjustments. And I do think it's important to do two things in terms of looking back. One, if you would have said back in August when we were saying this is a bottom five roster, it's going to be a rebuilding year that, you know, post Christmas, they're going to be in the playoffs and they're going to be in a position to like lock it down with two wins against, you know, divisional opponents in the final two weeks of the season. I think Eagles fans would have taken that in a heartbeat. So there's that. And there's also you remember with respect to Sirianni specifically, you know, some of the comments earlier this season, like he's talking about planting seeds and blooming oh, yeah. flowers and people, and even in his introductory press conference where he seemed a little bit nervous and people like, this is never going to work. The team bought in, mm-hmm. number one. And he also made the adjustments, like you said, a focus on the run game. We talked earlier when that happened, the shifted running on first and second down. It was a wild shift, but it seems to have worked. And so he deserves credit. This team deserves a ton of credit. Now, just because we're gassing them up and tossing bouquets right now, it doesn't mean they can throttle down over the next two weeks. You still got to win these games. Right. But they deserve a ton of credit for what's happened to this point. Oh, yeah. 
So, I mean, let's get into the fun stuff. Yeah. Like, there's a lot to talk about. We're on the same page, so we got to start. I think we should start here. But first, Jalen Hurts completed 17 of 29 passes for 199 yards with two touchdowns and an interception. But in the first half, he finished 7 of 17, which was 41% for 94 yep. yards. That was in the first half. So that just shows you, like, the big switch. Yep. Um, I think the Eagles played – I mean, they scored, like, 31 unanswered points, which is just crazy. And I think this game was the depiction of who the Eagles are compared to the Giants. Of course, we can look back when they played the Giants the first time this season, but this game, I think, was a better showing. Like, the Eagles are definitely the better team. Yeah. But let's talk about this play. Yeah. I wanted to start on this particular play. You sent it to me as well. A couple of people uh, mentioned us on Twitter about this play yeah. because Jalen Hurts was asked about it as well during the press conference. Um, this was two minutes remaining in the first half. It was third and goal the one-yard pass to Quez Watkins. And immediately when I was watching this game live, I was taking my notes. I always, you know, list good plays, bad plays, like what I'm seeing from Jalen Hurst. And originally, if I'm being honest, I put this under bad. Yeah. I yeah. put this under bad because I was like, oh, well, everybody's looking at Dallas Goddard. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to touch on that. But Jalen Hurts touched on this in his post-game conference. And when he was asked about, like, why didn't you, you know, why did you miss Dallas Goddard, who was completely wide open? And I'm really glad that he explained this and broke this yeah. down, like how he reads his progressions, because he said exactly. He said in that play, I was coached to do to just go through it as progression, work the shallow to the running back coming only throw versus a certain look. So he's explaining right then and there that Dallas Goddard wasn't even an option. But yeah. let's get into that play. Yeah, I mean, and it's important to remember, and as much as I like playing Madden in my spare time, I was playing Madden last night with my son, and he was just destroying me. <laughs> you don't get that view of when you're on the field. Jalen Hurts doesn't have that sort of bird's eye view of things. And so quarterbacks have to start ruling things in or out pre-snap. And so that's where we sort of begin, right? He can only do so much over the course of the, like, 10 seconds from when the, you're at the line of scrimmage to when you have to make a throw – you can only put your eyes in so many different places. And so uh, you have to sort of put yourself in that mindset. Pre-snap, he expected what he calls seven bracket. Mm -hmm. Seven bracket is a version of Nick Saban's quarters coverage. Now, people typically hear quarters coverage. That's four deep. That's cover four. Well, Saban's terminology, and remember, Hertz was playing at Alabama. A lot of people have adopted sort of the Saban terminology. Cover seven is what Nick Saban calls his man match cover four or quarters coverage because you're basically playing still with the four deep defenders, but you're going to use man principles or as Saban calls it, man eyes. So depending on how the routes distribute after the snap, you might pick up a receiver and just cover him. That might be your guy. You have to, quote, buy that route. And so it's basically like, yeah, you start with zone sort of alignment, but it may end up playing like it's man coverage. So that so that's a starting point. And what he's worried about is this. In this sort of Saban world, a lot of defensive coordinators have realized that if the first receiver, that outside receiver, in this case Quez Watkins, who starts outside, if he is sort of short or shallow, if he runs a route that's like shorter than five yards, or he runs in this case like that shallow route, what's the inside receiver going to do? He's going to run that corner route. They're going to set up that smash concept because you're trying to get that outside defender, that cornerback, to see a squat down or maybe chase that shallow. And then you bring that inside receiver on that corner out. 
And now you've got that receiver working against a safety who's playing more inside leverage. That's going to be wide open for a touchdown. So to protect against that, you have adjustments and tags and calls and things like that, whether it's mod or bracket or whatever. Whereas that corner, you're going to see one go underneath or short or shallow. You're going to pass him off and then you'll do what they call zone it off, which means you sort of drop deep into that quarter deep area of the field. And now if they do indeed have that guy coming on that corner route, in this case, Goddard seven route, that corner route, you've got the corner in position and the safety is still going to help it over the top. So you end up bracketed that and you're taking it away. And so what hurts gets to the line of scrimmage. He sees their sort of cover for alignment. He's expecting once he comes underneath, once they see Quez run underneath on the shallow, that backside corner is going to zone off and the safety is going to sort of bracket that inside out. And Goddard's going to be double covered. And so now I have to work that progression, as Sirianni said, the shallow to the angle from the back coming out of the backfield. And what you're trying to do is get that first runner. Now, you could also say, okay, well, shouldn't he still check that? Maybe, you know, maybe after the snap, his eyes should still peek and say, okay, it's an alert. I can get my eyes there. And if somehow they bust, I can still throw it. But we're talking about a shallow crosser and we're talking about an angle route down near the goal line on third and five where everything happens in an instant. It's not like the route that Quez Watkins is running is a 20-yard dig where you've got like a second and a half to like take your eyes away from it. And then, okay. Yeah. Just like I thought they've bracketed it. Now I can throw the dig route. No, it's a shallow near the goal line and you've got to make that throw quickly. So he still has to make a quick decision after the snap. He can't take the time to get his eyes there because if he does, let's say Rachel, he does take the snap look there Oh, Yep. They're doing what I expected. Now you come back, you have to then find those routes and you're late in the down. You might get sacked. They might be covered by the time you get back there. Then you're dead in the water. And so that's what quarterbacks have to do. You have to look at the scene pre-snap, rule stuff in or out, and then say, okay, well, this is what I'm expected. So now I have to work that progression shallow to the angle. You can't anticipate that they're going to screw up. Now, in this case, what happens is since Quest comes in motion, they kind of one becomes two, two becomes one, and sort of the how the defensive players look at it. So you get two guys running with the shallow. You get the safety sort of caught in between. Goddard's wide open. So, yeah, they bust. And like you, you look at it live and you think, man, he should have seen that. But once you sort of get into that mindset of what the quarterback's looking at and what his expectations are, you kind of understand why he did it. Now, could he still have been faster with his throw on the shallow? Yeah, he kind of waits a little bit and brings the backside safety into the play. Ted Wynn over at The Athletic wrote a great piece about this. And if you look backside, Jalen Ragor in the slot takes an inside release. And so that kind of allows the safety to sort of lurk in that area where instead of he releases outside, safety might have to widen just a little bit to help on that. And that might free up stuff inside for Quez. But it's a quick decision, snap decision type thing, which is why playing quarterback is so hard. I mean, you can't – and if you watch other quarterbacks – you will find moments where you're like, yeah, this guy's wide open. But then once you sort of dive into it deeper and get into their sort of pre-snap expectations, their progression reads, mm -hmm. you can understand why they don't go there. Not all five receivers are typically in the progression. Like there are three different kinds of basic progression reads. There's man reads versus zone reads, right? Mm -hmm. And that might be, okay, if it's man coverage, I'm working left. If it's zone, I'm working right or vice versa. There's what we call shell reads, right? That's usually middle of the field open versus middle of the field close. If, you know, there's a single deep safety in the middle of the field, we'll do one thing, maybe go X, Y to Z. If there's two deep safeties, we'll go, you know, 
the X to the back or something like that. And then there's pure progressions like here, which is just, I'm going shallow. I've got an alert then I'm going shallow to the angle. And so just because there are five eligible receivers, doesn't mean that the quarterback on a given play is going to be able to look at all five or even is taught to look at all five. And so that's a lot of super nerdy stuff. All to make this no. basic point, play quarterback is super hard. Yes. If it were easy, I'd still be doing it, but I'm not still doing it because I was bad at it. Playing quarterback is super hard. And this is a great example of how hard it is. No, I think it's important that you have to touch on this and shout out to Jeff McClain who asked the yeah, question. It was a great question. It was a great question. He got, we got to see like how he thinks yeah. and how he breaks down, like what's happening, how he's making his reads. When I say I probably had to watch this play at least a hundred times, I was literally breaking it down. Shout out to Barry and Mike. We were talking about it last night. And another point you kind of touched on it is like the quickness yeah. kind of goes to say like, he's still developing and we talk about this all the time everybody's talking about you know the things that he needs to work on and one of the things is like okay getting the ball out quicker yeah. but in this particular play he did hesitate a little bit but I think he he got it out fairly quick compared to like some of the, the bad plays that we've yeah. seen prior to right so it's kind of like as a fan and someone who's just you know, listening, you can't be but so critical because, like you said, if he would have turned to Dallas Goddard, that easily could have been a sack. So it's like, what more do you want? Right. You know what I'm saying? And, He's and, doing what he was taught to do. And yeah. that's progress for him. Yeah. And, and I know this all sounds extremely nitpicky, but it has to be. Because yeah. we're talking about a job where only 32 people on the planet are doing it, right? Yeah. Like, so, so we're trying to get, you know, not just the top 1%, like the top 0.0001% of people on the yeah. planet doing this job. So when you get into that kind of numbers, you're going to make little nitty gritty things. But, yeah. you know, this is an example of how hard it is to play the position, where the quarterback's mind and eyes are, and how, you know, you're not, like, to get back to the Madden point, Mm -hmm. If you really want to sort of let people into the window of playing quarterback, bring the vision cone back. Do you mm -hmm. remember the Madden vision cone where it was like your quarterback's like field of sight? You could only make good throws if you were like looking that way. Mm -hmm. It was a great attempt by Madden to sort of simulate the experience of playing quarterback. That's what it's like. You know, you can't have your eyes over here, but still see what's going on over there. Like yeah. it's very hard to do. It's easy on Madden. It's hard in real life. And so as a quarterback, as a coach, as an offensive play designer, you have to sort of put these progressions in. I mean, I've got mm -hmm. playbooks galore just outside my arm right now where I can show you like mm -hmm. here on this given play, you see this coverage look, you're looking to, you know, your X receiver to your tight end to your running back. But if it's the other coverage, you're looking to your slot receiver to your Z receiver on the other side of the field. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you, and if you get fooled, mm -hmm. you're going to make a mistake. And this is why defenses, you hear the phrase like spun safeties or coverage rotations. This is why defenses, try so hard to show you one look pre-snap and then switch it to something different post-snap. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times you might get the quarterback thinking, oh, it's cover two, it's cover four, it's cover seven, whatever you want to term it. Oh, this is where I have to read progressively, but it's really cover three. It's really cover mm -hmm. one. And now you're trying to scramble. Or when you've got routes that convert based on the coverage, you might not fool the quarterback. But you might fool the rookie wide receiver who thinks it's cover two and he's supposed to run a dig, mm -hmm. but it's really cover one and he's supposed to run a C. But now he and the quarterback aren't on the same page. And so, again, football is complex. There's a sure. lot of moving parts. And there's a chance that like a third of what I just said was wrong, too. Like, like it's that no. hard. So, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's very complex, and I'm sure I might have, like, defensive friends who are, you know, my friends who are defensive coaches say, look, you get that all wrong about Saban. I, I read tons of books about Saban's coverages. I still don't get it. And I have the benefit of pause and rewind and all that yeah. stuff. But it comes back to another point, screenshot scouting. It's easy to take a snippet of still a frame of a play and say, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of moving parts to it. And how you might see it. Is it might be completely different from the coaching staff and how they drew it up, you know? Right. Like you right. don't know. You're kind and of that's that's the other thing. Like <laughs> it's easy to say, oh, on a chalkboard, on a whiteboard, whatever, like these are what your reads are supposed to be. And nine times out of ten, yeah, you might be right, but they might have in-game adjustments, weekly adjustments, but adjustments before the driver say, look, their play this coverage is different than we thought it was going to be, so we're gonna adjust it. You know, and we're going to tweak this concept so your eyes now come to the shallow first, not just forget the alert, forget the corner out. Like, it's not going to be there. They've been playing it differently all week, and then suddenly they bust. And the other thing is this. Like, you practice this route, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so your eyes, you expect to get one look, and you expect to do it one way. And if things are a little bit different when it's coming to game time, that muscle memory is still kicked in. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's sometimes hard. Like you practice something all week, you practice a route combination or concept or whatever. And all week you're expecting to get this look for the defense. So that's what you're practicing. And again, the defense does something a little bit different. And now you have to adjust in the moment with all of these moving parts. And I remind you, large grown men trying to put you in the hospital. Like that's a lot. That's a how lot. Would, how would you respond? You know what I'm saying? It's I would turtle. Like- I would turtle, I would curl up like a ball, and I would say, please don't hurt me. Yes. That's how I would respond. Me too. And and, and so that's it. Like, again, it is so hard to play this position. It is so absurdly hard to play this sport. But, like, Mm -hmm. all the moving pieces, all the things that are going on, Mm -hmm. like, you're talking about some of the best athletes on the planet doing things at extreme, at, like, 15 to 20 miles per hour, like, 300-pound men. Like, like it's a lot that yeah. goes on on a given play and so you know that was a whole lengthy discussion about how this is hard it's a hard sport it's a hard right. position and so you know it, it's easy to look at something like this play and say oh man he's just not it yeah but there were reasons why his eyes weren't going there now yeah. of course there were still some other things that he could have done better in this game like earlier in the game like mm-hmm. like the near interception where yeah. he's got that little smash concept again see there's the smash mm-hmm. that we were just talking about he comes off of it but then pulls the ball down instead of sort of get into the backside where he's got a pair of dig routes and eventually the back leaking out to the flat. Like mm-hmm. he's done this before. We've seen him where, okay, my first two options aren't there. Now I'm going to set my feet and my hips and go backside. He's had mm-hmm. moments like that where he hits that sort of backside dig. Here he sort of drops the eyes in the ball and starts running around and then you get into a little bit of trouble. And so, you know, there are still those moments where it's like, yeah, that that's more basic stuff where you'd expect yeah. him to keep improving. And he has, he's gotten better at that over the course of the season. It's still not where you'd lo- like it to be. Yeah. And it's also the sort of balance in between. He's a super athletic guy that, yeah, he could run around and make things happen, but you still want him to make some plays for the pocket. So I like, guess yeah. other nitpicky stuff too, but, but this Goddard play, I think it's more, this is a hard position to play friends. Yes, and he wasn't expected, and he said no. it. Shout out to McKinney because he wasn't expecting this. So yeah, you know, there you go, there you go. Complexity, there it yeah. is. Yeah, there but- it is. Complexity. It's not an easy game, friends. <laughs> oh, it is. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. Those with ambitious, out of reach ideas, begging to become real solutions. 
They share a vision for how our world and our lives can thrive when bold thinking meets strong silicon. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy through the power of supercomputing. They dream of trust and privacy for all, of advancing and expanding education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to build something better, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. But I mean, there was a lot of good, a lot more oh, yeah. good from this game. But a question I did have for you, because you're saying we're, we're getting closer, we're inching closer towards the playoffs with these performances where it's like time after time after time, we see the slow start and then they bounce back in the second half. Is it possible to like go far in the playoffs if these are like, this is like, clearly like a recurring thing yeah it's it's hard to start slow in a playoff game and still win yeah. like that's difficult because when you start thinking about who you might play in the playoffs like you get a team like the rams that can get up on you like 14 nothing in the blink of an eye or a team like you know if you see dallas or, or tampa bay in, in the first round like you know that's going to be tough i mean as it stands right now you know you're going to see one of the best teams in the league because they're at the seven spot yep and so you're going to get the two seed that's not going to be an easy game, you know? No. If it stands right now, they'd get Dallas. Yep. And we just saw on Sunday night what Dallas's offense can do. We've seen what their defense can do over the course of the season. We've seen what this defense has done to Hurts earlier in the year. Now they'll get mm-hmm. Dallas in week 18. So if you start slow and suddenly it's 14 nothing. You know, a lot of what Philadelphia would want to do is kind of out the window because, you know, they do want to rely on the ground game. They do want to run the football. But when you're down 14 nothing, you know, midway through the first quarter, yeah, you kind of got to throw the game plan out the window. You could try to stick with that, but mm-hmm. you might be down 21 nothing or 21-3 before you know it. And so yeah. they have to clean up these slow starts. Now, I, I was – it was interesting that they came out throwing against New York like yeah. I was kind of surprised by that. I thought, look, what we've seen from them recently, they would run the football early. Maybe they were trying to get Hurts into the uh, the flow of the game. Maybe they yeah. they saw something on film that they wanted to do. But I think, look, you, you got to avoid slow starts because if you have a slow start against Dallas or the Rams or the Bucks as a, in a wild card game, you might be in trouble. It's definitely going to be interesting to see how things play out because we know that the run game has been working for them in the regular season. But like you mentioned, if you're down in the first half and all your strength is running, that's not going to help you. But so much, it's not going to help you like you did against the Giants who did. Literally yeah. Not. And there's also matchup considerations too, because mm-hmm. all right, you might not be able to run against the Rams that effectively. They've got Aaron Donald. You might not be able to run effectively against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They got Vita Vea. Like they've got stout run defenses. You've seen teams this year, New England against Tampa Bay. They let Mac Jones throw it on a rainy, windy night because yeah. they were afraid of the run game. Frank Reich, in Indianapolis, they threw it like 50 times or so. A lot of that was RPOs, and they ended up throwing it because of the looks of the defensive front. But you don't want to run against those teams. And so you might have to abandon what you're doing or what you've gotten to this point by doing. And that's also something to consider. And so a, a lot of things that can sort of play out from a matchup perspective. But yeah. you got to win these next two games first. First, I mean, that's, yeah. That's a, there you go. Can't One game at a ahead. time. I mean, it's easy, right. for, it's easy for us to look ahead, but, you know, yeah. I won't have, you know, Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne who, you know, fought each other right. on the weekend, coming after <laughs> me this weekend. So it's, so it's easy for me to look ahead. But. 
Yeah. Next year, out again. No. So we spent a lot of time on that. So I guess we got to move a little bit further ahead. I mean, I don't. I didn't think there was too much to say about. No, there's, there's um, nothing to say. There's Mike Glennon, <laughs> literally. What is yeah. there to say? They're bad. I have I have a good friend who is a Giants fan, and he sent me a DM at like two thirty that afternoon. It was like early, in the, or maybe more like three o'clock. It was like in the second half, and he's like, "You can turn this game off. It's a waste of your talents." But if you really want to impress me, show me three throws from Jake Fromm on Twitter tomorrow. And I was like, "No." I I can't. Did you I do it? Nothing. I'm about to no, say, did you do no, it? No, no. Although I will say, a couple of weeks ago, I I did do the the Mac Jones all three throws when he played Buffalo. And yeah, and it only had the three passes, but I, I could have five three throws for Jake Fromm or Mike Glennon combined. There, it was bad. It was bad. Okay, we we learned this week, Rachel, that. Dave Gettleman is probably going to retire or step aside or whatever as the general manager. They're going to promote from within, and then they're going to give Daniel Jones another shot at this. I'm going to ask you to be Joe Judge. Do you really give Daniel Jones another shot at this? Do you draft a quarterback? Like, What does Rachel do if she's suddenly the head coach of the New York Giants? And, and what do you do about the quarterback position? I think the whole franchise has to take a shift. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can't expect. I mean, they've already had some adjustments this season, which were called for, but I don't think Daniel Jones is the answer. I think you've seen enough. We're in week 17 now. Yeah. You know, mind you, he's out for the season. Why does he need a, a second chance if he already saw what he can do? I feel like maybe you should clean slate. Y'all need to be on a rebuild yeah. mode. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, they're in a tough position from a cap perspective. They're going to have some draft picks so they can sort of retool that. I mean, do you trade Daniel Jones? Who's going to be trading for Daniel Jones? That's perhaps Nobody. the other question. I mean, I, I think I was on a, a giant show last week and it was like, well, I, I think you start Jake Fromm and see what you have because maybe he could be your backup. Maybe he can push Daniel Jones. <laughs> well, how'd that go? Great. Look how that just went. Yeah, it's his first start, so you don't want to overreact yeah. you know, wildly. Yeah. But not a lot of reason for confidence there. So, yeah, no. the, the Giants, I, I think, are in a bit of trouble. I mean, um, yeah. And when you look so. at the QB room, of course, I feel like if anybody, the one that they keep is Jake Fromm because Mike Glennon, no. Yeah. And, you, and the Giants have to make a decision on the franchise tag with Jones right around draft time. I mean, no, I mean the, the fifth year option, excuse me. And so does he look like a guy you're going to put the, the fifth year option on? Like, man, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the, the, I guess their other option is to, you know, not give him the fifth year option. Let him start next year. If he somehow finally figures it out, then yeah, you're going to have to put the franchise tag on him. That would yeah. be a difference of 3 million. I think because the franchise tag would be 23 million. The fifth year option would be 20 million. So if he's done enough, you'll pay the extra 3 million in franchise tag. But yeah. are you sitting here right now, you know, end of December, 2021 thinking Daniel Jones is going to figure it out next year? No, I feel bad yeah. for that. Like I really feel bad for that franchise. Yeah. There's a like. There, yeah. there, and, and you know, uh, there will be a lot of people that will say, "Look, you could go back to the decision to draft Saquon Barkley. Barkley's still extremely talented. Um, you know, draft a running back that early. You know, say what you want about it, but be with the benefit of hindsight. Those that were against it, a lot of their reason it was doesn't matter how talented he is. Running backs have a short shelf life, and yeah. he is going to get hurt. He is going to get banged up, mm -hmm. and that's kind of what we're seeing. So those that were against the Barkley pick." 
have a lot of evidence to put in front of people right now to yeah. say, see, this is what we were telling you. Had they drafted a quarterback that year, like many were saying they should have, because yeah. let's remember some of the names that they passed on. Lamar Jackson, yeah, Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, again, hindsight is what it is, but had they gone down that road and started the quarterback, you know, meter, gotten that ticket in 2018 instead of drafting Barkley, yeah. how would they look a little, with Lamar or, or Josh Allen? Now, maybe they wouldn't be where those teams are, <laughs> yeah, but they'd probably be a little bit better. For sure. I mean, there's clearly a difference just with the grade of the quarterback yeah. comparing. I mean, that's at the end of the day, the face of the organization that ha- they have to be in- – they have to lead the team. So that just shows you they definitely would have been in a better position with Lamar or yeah. Josh Allen. But that yeah. just tells you that's just looking at the type of quarterbacks that they are. So, and there's there's also an argument there for this is why you draft quarterback early instead of late, right? If you might think, oh, we can address a different position, we'll worry about quarterback next year. You get the guy in the building because you never know what the next quarterback class is going to look like. Right, right. Because look, you're looking at that 2018 draft class you pass on those quarterbacks and now you're looking at Kyler versus Dwayne Haskins versus Daniel Jones. Like right. it's not the same group. And so you never know that what the next quarterback group will look like. Then you also get the benefit of getting that guy in a year ahead of schedule, get an extra year in the system and all the benefits that come from that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes people say, well, you build the roster and then add the quarterback. I'm always of the mind that you just draft the quarterback yeah. figure it out around him, let him start developing and doing the things that he needs to do to figure it out. So I agree, but I'm just a guy sitting on a chair with a headset on <laughs> yap it into the void. So maybe they'll, maybe they'll take a listen. Yeah, maybe we'll see. We know coach Sirianni listens because we know Sirianni what we were listens. saying about the run game and stuff. So there is yep. that. Yeah. We have some credibility. You know? We got some credit around here. Yeah. And now we move back forward. I mean, we already saw what we saw from Washington. No. We already touched on the game against the Cowboys. Complete no. embarrassment on no. prime time. And now we play them again. Yeah. So even though they had some players that were out, it's like, are we going to get the same results? Or, you know, what are we? What should we expect as we prepare to play Washington for the second time? I mean, you know, I, I think it's going to be Washington right now looks like a team that's just basically packing it in, right? Like mm-hmm. when you're fighting on the sidelines, when you're – you know, frustrated on both sides of the football when your offense is a little bit struggling and you struggle to protect the quarterback when your defense is giving up chunk plays. Like, again, like we said last week, this is a very winnable game. Yeah. This is one that Philadelphia should win and, and handle their business. And if they do, like we talked about earlier, the playoff job odds jump from 61% to 85%. Like, it, it's huge for this team going forward. And so it's a game that they should win. I'm not too much worried about Taylor Heineke. Terry McLaurin is a great wide receiver, but yes. he can only do too much on his own. You know, they lost Logan Thomas. This is a game that they should win. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. I mean. Fingers crossed. Fingers, fingers crossed. I, mean, I do have a question, though. Yeah. This was about the fight. Yeah. <laughs> so if it. It's a fight between players on the same team. Are they still going to get fined? I don't think so. They might get like a fine internally, but I don't think something comes down from the league. Like, I I don't think the league steps in. But I will say, if a grown man pokes his finger into your eye, I don't care if he's your teammate, you come up sweating. Yes. That's just just the rules of the game, friends. Like, if he just said something to him, yeah, there's no reason to come up sweating. But if you're yeah. sitting there and you're frustrated and you're trying to figure out how in the world you're going to stop Dak Prescott and yeah. you get that figure in the eye, yeah, man, you come it's up sweating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, 
he's lucky that did not connect. Yes. That was thrown with some intent. It it just looked bad. It just looked really, really bad for the team. And they were already getting blown out. So it was just like. "Mm." Yeah. I mean, look, we're both sort of in the D.C. area. We know what this town is like. It is a Washington football team town. Like, this is not a sports town. It's mm-hmm. not a Caps town. They're a Caps fan. It's not a Nats yeah. town. They've won the World Series recently. No, yeah. this is a football team town. And mm-hmm. there are football team fans that are embarrassed right now. And we all know about Snyder and all that stuff with Washington and this franchise. The and benches. Lot, the, the heated benches, which, of course, made it just a meme-worthy world because it's like, <laughs> yeah, the benches are heated, sure. Um, and we yeah. know what's going on with the Snyder and the investigation and the sexual mm-hmm. harassment and all of that. There's a lot going on here. This franchise is bad. You talk to any Washington fan, they will tell you they want Snyder gone. Yep. I get it. Um, so, yeah, it's a team in absolute dysfunction right now. Mm-hmm. I, I saw a news report. It was like the local Channel 8 on Sunday night. They had the you know, beat reporter down there, and he was talking about how this was supposed to be a culture change under Ron Rivera. He can only do so much. Yeah. It, it's a mess right now. So you've yeah. got all of this on the other side. So Philadelphia should be able to handle things against a team that seems to be spiraling apart. Right. And those are clearly distractions. So we're yeah. just seeing how it's affecting the team. Yeah. So it's, it's it's a business week. Handle your business. Yep. See where the chips fall. And who knows what you'll have to play for in week 18. Yeah. So now the Eagles are looking to punch that ticket to the postseason. Next Monday, like this is going to be on January 2nd. The game is at 1 o'clock p.m. It'll be happening in Landover, Maryland against the Washington football team. So this win is definitely possible. We already talked about it. Yep. You know, we need another win. So don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on social, and we will be back next week to talk, hopefully, some more positive Eagles ball. So do you have any last words, Mark? Playoffs? We're talking about playoffs? (laughs) There we go. Um, And I will see everybody. We'll see everybody in in the new year. May you all have a merry, merry uh, New Year's Eve. Remember, New Year's Eve. Again, marathon, not a sprint. Like. Remember to hydrate, friends. Um, for those that have watched like me, I will be home in, in pajamas by 8, a. 8 p.m., so 8 a.m. I haven't seen an 8 a.m. after a night out in a long time, friends. But stay yeah. safe, be well, and uh, go birds. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts.